At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Hi, I'm Kelly Evans, host of CNBC's The Exchange. And here's what's on my mind. I have a feeling that Wall Street, quote unquote, is about to become the next target for the oil and gasoline spikes we're living through. So it's worth mentioning that energy investors are not exactly thrilled about $130 oil. You've been hearing this for months if you've been watching our show. Oil investors would be plenty happy with oil at $70 or $80 a barrel. Why? Because the energy complex makes plenty of money without too much scrutiny, returns a lot of cash to shareholders, and everyone gets left alone. Above those levels, what happens? Politicians start getting antsy, the public gets resentful at high gasoline prices, demand starts dropping, and worse, the field starts getting crowded with lower quality producers who compete away the profits. Let's rewind to just last summer, when the energy sector was so out of favor it represented less than 3% of the entire S&P 500. That was down from a peak of nearly 17% in mid-2008 when oil prices spiked to the so far record high of $147.50 a barrel. But it turns out the years after that peak were some of the worst years ever to be an energy investor, thanks to the shale revolution slash bubble. The shale fracking revolution has made the U.S. the world's largest oil and gas producer, the Wall Street Journal wrote in 2017. Yet shale has been a lousy bet for most investors. Shares of shale producers dropped 30% over that decade, while the S&P rose 80%, the journal noted. Quote, energy companies in that time have spent $280 billion more than they generated from operations, end quote. The bubble was a bubble in production, not prices. Prices were kept low as a result. WTI, or West Texas Intermediate Crude, traded around $50 a barrel for most of 2017. Great for consumers, bad for producers, and bad for investors. In just three years, from 2015 through 2018, more than 330 energy companies filed for bankruptcy. Analysts have said the fallout was worse than the telecom bust of the early 2000s, the Houston Chronicle wrote at the time. Scores of investors basically foreswore that they would ever invest in the energy sector again. It was falling out of favor anyway thanks to the ESG investing trend, a win-win for money managers who wanted to both avoid further losses and win plaudits and fund flows from green-minded clients. The people left in the energy space had basically shrunk down to the diehards who didn't mind their dirty but essential business. As one top oil analyst recently told us, he couldn't even get a call back from lots of big pension funds over the past couple years. So the promise to those investors who stuck around especially after oil prices went deeply negative in early 2020, was that the industry would never again return to the bad old shale bubble days that destroyed so much capital. Discipline became the new mantra. Oil and gas companies do not want to drill more. They are under pressure from the financial community to pay more dividends, to do more share buybacks instead of the proverbial drill baby drill, as analyst Powell Molshinov told CNN recently. This is why I say I expect Wall Street, quote unquote, to become the next target of ire over the oil price spike. Those greedy investors just want the cash for themselves. They don't care how much gas costs as a result. Take Conoco, for instance. As this Reuters piece noted back in March 2021, ConocoPhillips pledged to keep spending flat even as oil prices climbed, the latest U.S. energy firm to embrace investor returns over production growth. 
and Conoco shares have doubled to an all-time high since that piece was published. But the real question is what happens now? Just as the sector has become a model of modest spending and strong returns, it faces almost unprecedented calls to open the spigots once again. Elon Musk, most notably, tweeted over the weekend that, quote, we need to increase oil and gas output immediately, end quote, even though it's ostensibly contrary to his interests. Scott Sheffield, the CEO of Pioneer, the biggest U.S. shale producer, told the Financial Times last week that he agreed that the only way to stop Putin is to ban oil and gas exports. But he warned the U.S. industry would need years, not months, to fill the gap. And in the meantime, prices could spike to $200 a barrel. He also warned that, quote, we'd have to go to our shareholder base and ask what their thoughts are. Coincidentally, the world's energy producers, investors, and analysts are all gathering in Houston for the annual Zero Week conference right now, where I'd expect this issue to be at the very center of discussion. In especially stark timing, it comes just as Carl Icahn sold out of his shares of oil producer Occidental after a nearly three-year investment that saw him profit about a billion dollars, according to the journal. Icon tripled his stake in March 2020, almost exactly at the market lows. Oxy shares have quintupled since then, as oil prices have sharply rebounded. Not for nothing does one of the world's savviest energy investors see now as the time to get out. You better believe oil companies are taking notice of that. And there are other cautionary signs as well. While producers like Conoco and Oxy are seeing their share prices still climb, the refiners are starting to struggle. Shares of Valero and Phillips 66, for instance, are down almost 10% since mid-February before Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Why? Because the 40-cent jump in gasoline prices over the past week is destroying demand. The refiners have to pay for costlier oil to refine while at the same time losing end customers. In short, pretty much everyone would be happier with a much lower price of oil, except perhaps those investors who are just now getting into the space. Thanks for listening and be sure to follow the Exchange podcast and catch our show live weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern only on CNBC. See you then. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.